guys, Derek here from Bomb Socks, and welcome to the Bomb Bites podcast. Hey, if you're new to Bomb Bites, it's a service from our company, Bomb Socks, to help be a resource to use. You're studying along with the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hope you enjoy today's episode. So in conclusion of this week of Come Follow Me, we got to put a happy ending to a, a relationship that started really bad. In fact, it started in the womb as Rebecca recognized she had twins in the womb. She's like, these guys are fighting in here. And they came out and you got Jacob and Esau. So Esau is a hunter and it says Jacob is more of a plain man, I guess more of a well-rounded type of person. You have got the mess of pottage incident and the birthright and all of those crazy things. Esau is like, I'm going to kill you and Jacob's like okay I'm out of here and there's been a 20 year separation of these two and chapter 32 Jacob is very nervous he's like I I want to get back with my brother I want to reconcile with him but he's gonna hate me so he as most of us do he gathers all kinds of gifts together and he's like maybe if I put these gifts together and I bring my family I, I don't know I'm a little bit nervous and it shows how Jacob is very nervous he prays to the Lord about this so in the come follow me uh, and this leads you into chapter 33. Uh, I love this little thing. It says, The Savior can help us overcome discord in our families. As Jacob returned to Canaan, he was greatly afraid and distressed about how Esau would receive him. So as you read Genesis 32 to 33 about Jacob's encounter with Esau and his feelings leading up to it, you might ponder your own family relationships, perhaps one that needs healing. Maybe this story could inspire you to reach out to someone. Questions like these could help you in your reading. How did Jacob prepare to meet Esau? What stands out to you about Jacob's prayer found in Genesis 32, 9 and 12? Uh, what can you learn about forgiveness from Esau's example? I, I want to make sure I, I bring up how, how Esau responded to this and how can the Savior help us heal family relationships? Well, you go into chapter 33 and I love just the first couple verses. It says, Jacob lifted up his eyes. He looked and behold, Esau came and with him 400 men. Jacob's like, I'm going to die. Oh no. He divided the children into Leah and into Rachel and into the two handmaidens. He's like, okay, I don't want anybody to come hurt me. And he put the handmaidens, their children foremost, and Leah and her children after, and Jacob and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And verse number four is, is such a cool little reconciliation. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. I can imagine, this picture I think is a great picture of that. I can imagine the feelings there of just... Oh, I mean, that the time away from one another, the opportunities to be forgiven. As bad of decisions Esau has made, I want to give Esau props for this particular reconciliation. And he, he lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children and said, well, whose are these? And he said, the children which God hath graciously given thy servant. And the handmaidens came near, they and their children, they bowed themselves. And Jacob's like, Esau, can I give you all of this stuff? And Esau, in verse number eight, he said, what meanest thou by all of this drove which I mean? It's like, man, well, you got all this stuff here. And he said, these are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. And he says, I have enough, my brother. Keep that thou hast unto thyself. And he's like, oh, so I, I love the reconciliation here with this. Now, this story reminds me of a story that Elder Holland shared back in 1984. It comes from a talk, it's a BYU speech called A Robe, a Ring, and a Fatted Calf. And I love this story from church history because it reminds me of probably what this uh, situation was like. So watch this. In the early years of this church, the prophet Joseph Smith had no more faithful aid than William Wines Phelps. 
Brother Phelps, a former newspaper editor, had joined the church in Kirtland and was of such assistance to those early leaders that they sent him as one of the Latter-day Saints, one of the first Latter-day Saints, to the New Jerusalem, Jackson County, Missouri. There he was called by the Lord to the stake presidency of that center stake of Zion. But then troubles developed. First, there were, these were largely ecclesiastical aberrations, but later there were financial improprieties. Things became so serious that the Lord revealed to Joseph Smith that if Phelps did not repent, he would be removed out of his place. He did not repent, and he was excommunicated on March 10, 1838. The prophet Joseph and others immediately tried to love Phelps back into the fold, but he would have nothing of it. And then in the fall of that violent year, W. W. Phelps, along with others, signed a deadly damaging affidavit against the prophet and other leaders of the church. The result was quite simply that Joseph Smith was sentenced to be publicly executed on the town square in far west Missouri, Friday morning, November 2, 1838. Through the monument, monumental courage of General Alexander Donovan, the prophet was rather miraculously spared the execution Phelps and others had precipitated. But he was not spared spending five months, November through April, in several Missouri prisons, the most noted of which was that pit ironically known as Liberty Jail. I do not need to recount for you the suffering of the saints through that period. The anguish of those not captive was in many ways more severe than those imprisoned. The persecution intensified until the saints sought yet again to find another refuge from the storm. With Joseph in chains, praying for their safety and giving some direction by letter, they made their way toward Commerce, Illinois, a malaria swamp on the Mississippi River, where they would try once more to build the city of Zion. And so much of this travail, so much of this torment and heartache, due to men of their own brotherhood, like W. W. Phelps. But we're speaking today of happy endings. Two very difficult years later, with great anguish and remorse of conscience, Phelps wrote to Joseph Smith in Nauvoo, Brother Joseph, I am as the prodigal son. I have seen the folly of my way, and I tremble, tremble at the gulf I have passed. I ask my old brethren to forgive me, and though they chasten me to death, yet I will die with them, for their God is my God. The least place with them is enough for me. It's bigger and better than all Babylon. I know my situation. You know it. God knows it. And I want to be saved with my friends if they will help me. I've done wrong, and I'm sorry. I ask forgiveness. I want your fellowship. But if you cannot grant that, at least grant me your peace and your friendship. For we are brethren, and our communion used to be sweet. Well, the prophet Joseph wrote back in a flash, I know of no private document or personal response in the life of Joseph Smith or anyone else for that matter, which so powerfully demonstrates the magnificence of his soul. There is a lesson here for every one of us who claims to be a disciple of Christ. He wrote, Dear Brother Phelps, You may in some measure realize what my feelings were when we read your letter. We have suffered much in consequence of your behavior. The cup of gall, already full for mortals to drink, was indeed filled to overflowing when you turned against us. However, that cup has been drunk. The will of our Father has been done, and we are yet alive, for which we thank the Lord. And having been delivered from the hands of wicked men by the mercy of our God, we say it is your privilege to be delivered 
from the powers of the adversary. Be brought into the liberty of God's dear children and again take your stand among the saints of the Most High. And by diligence, humility, and love unfeigned, commend yourself to our God and your God and the Church of Jesus Christ. Believing your confession to be real and your repentance genuine, I shall be happy once again to give you the right hand of fellowship and rejoice over the returning prodigal. Come on, dear brother, since the war is past, for friends at first are friends again at last. Yours as ever, Joseph Smith, Jr. It only adds to the poignance of this particular prodigal's return that exactly four years later, almost to the day, it would be W. W. Phelps selected to preach Joseph Smith's funeral sermon in those terribly tense and emotional circumstances in Nauvoo. Furthermore, it would be W. W. Phelps who would memorialize the martyred prophet with his hymn of adoration, Praise to the Man. Having been the foolish swimmer, pulled back to safety by the very man he had sought to destroy, Phelps must have had unique appreciation for the stature of a friend when he penned, Great is his glory and endless his priesthood. Ever and ever the keys he will hold. Faithful and true, he will enter the kingdom, crowned in the midst of the prophets of old. Well, I love the story. I love the reconciliation of Joseph Smith and W.W. Phelps. I also love this reconciliation of Jacob and Esau. And it tells us that if we have those family relationships where we're struggling, there are definitely some things to learn from this story about humility and about forgiveness and about reconciliation. So I love that message. If you'd like to check out our video that goes with today's podcast, you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook by simply searching Bomb Socks. That's B-O-M-S-O-C-K-S. And be sure to check out our amazingly comfortable gospel-themed socks at bombsocks.com. Thanks for listening, and hope you'll join us again for more episodes of Bomb Bites. Godspeed, and have a great day.